Welcome back to Mouthpiece Podcast. I am Savage Dan. I'm Paulie the Magic Man Malanaji. And I will not mention Chelsea Football Club this week for obvious reasons. Um, as always, like, comment, subscribe. Ask us questions. Get involved. Um, last week, the best comment or the, the, the best question was, can you both tell us your favourite era of boxing and why? So I'll start. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of old school boxing. Um, but where I really fell in love with the sport I'm going to give a weird decade, so it's not going to be like 2010 to 2020 or 2000. I'm going to go 2005 to 2015 is where I, I felt like, for me, I, I felt very inspired to, to get into the sport of boxing. And uh, I don't know, I, I feel like maybe Mayweather brought a little bit of glitz and glam to the sport and you had his rivalry with Hatton and, and with De La Hoya. And it was, it was more visible for me then. So I'm going to go with um, the, the kind of offset decade of 2005 to 2015. Paulie, you was very active in those years as well. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, yeah, that's, those were, that was probably the decade where I, uh, I was most involved in the high, higher level of flights. You know? But prior to that, I had been coming up the ladder. But from 2006 to 2015, I was in big fights almost every year. So uh, that's that's my decade too. I can, I'm not gonna complain about that decade, but the, <laughs> but I think uh, as far as a fan and and, and what brought me to the sport, uh, being from Brooklyn, uh, the, the early Mike Tyson era for me was uh, probably my favorite of my life, just because uh, I think Tyson had this effect on a lot of people. But as a kid who's just gaining his first experiences in life, the the your first decade of of life on this planet. You're kind of intaking the larger than life figures, and Mike Tyson was a very, very big larger than life figure from about '86 to '90. I can remember starting from about the Spinks fight to '90. Those couple of years where, or uh, where I was really starting to really be take to the sport and really just in awe of Mike Tyson. Um, I remember the Spinks fight being my first one, and uh, for me, it kind of uh, glued me to the sport. You know, so for me, that's uh, that's the best era with a. Uh, uh, um, a respectable mention also goes to the 40s and 50s because a lot of Italian Americans from New York and the Northeast were in boxing. Guys like Willie Pep, Rocky Graziano, Jake LaMotta. So uh, it, I think it would have been an enjoyable decade for me, an era for me to watch. But I wasn't around. So for me, uh, in my lifetime, it, 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 it is the early uh, aura and magnetism of the, the early uh, championship Tyson run. Right, let's get into the reviews of the weekend. For some reason, we didn't give any um any predictions on the no, Jamal Heron Alframpton fight. I, I, I remember we? pretty strictly that I, I I can't I can't get myself out of this one now. No, no, you no, no, no. I do remember my and, prediction, which is why I, I I can't I can't cop out. You gave me a, a a chance to cop out here, Dan, but I can't do it. I can't do it. I predicted Frampton. I predicted Frampton. So I was. It was a, uh, it was well, a, I it was a bad prediction. I but but I, if, if oh, I yeah. was if I was not secure of myself, I would have told you no. We didn't make any predictions. You're right. But but I remember I predicted Frampton. Either way, it was a thrilling, thrilling fight. We will remember this time round <laughs> to keep giving all every because we're meant to be having a leaderboard here. And it's getting lost somewhere. <laughs> the fans, the fans fault. can leave out anyway, the comment sections. Who who? Uh, it was. It was a it was a, a crazy fight, um, to say the least. Heron obviously stopped Frampton in the sixth round, dropping him twice. Looked in total control for the most part, you know. And, and we, I, I'm guessing, 
Um, Carl Frampton got in there and realised that being up at, at mm-hmm. that weight, th- the distance was very difficult to, to close. And because of it, he was squaring up quite a lot, getting caught with uppercuts. And it just wasn't a great day for yeah, him. Yeah, he, he didn't have a lot of a lot of ideas as to ha- uh, ways to close the gap. He was kind of trying to paw away at the lead hand. But other than that, the only thing I saw him trying to do really in closing the gap was was uh, uh, was dip in. Dip, in, dip, dip on the inside and just trying to like rush in. And he was getting hit with either uppercuts or, or check right hooks from, from the herring southpaw stance. And I don't think he ever understood how to make an adjustment. I have to say, though, you have to credit Jamal Herring because this was a guy that I always thought was solid, you know, a pretty decent fighter. But I, was, I wasn't always sure he could be a world champion, honestly, when I saw him come up the ladder. I was, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I, I, when I saw this guy – um, who was an ex-U.S. Olympian, I say, oh, you know, this guy is the guy. I thought there was a chance he could be one of the busts of the of the team. And nothing against him personally, just on a, from a technical perspective, he didn't wow me like some of the other guys on that Olympic team did. But um, so, I, again, I have to admit I was wrong. But I also think that um, the last few years, I've, I, 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 I dare I say he's improved. You know, I think with even with Bo Mack, he's really made a, 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 some tremendous strides here. He fought a very, very disciplined fight. Listen, we can all say now, play the Monday morning quarterback and later on say, okay, uh, you know, Frampton was too small, Frampton's this, but no, 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 no. I thought Frampton would beat him. I thought, I thought, you know what? I said, Jamel's getting better lately, but I didn't think he still had enough to beat a, a, a guy who was, uh, 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 who cemented himself at an elite level for so many years like Frampton, you know? So regardless of size, regardless of anything, he fought a, a really, really poised, disciplined fight and and really never let Frampton in the fight at all. And uh, and that has to be impressive nonetheless. You know, you have to give that credit. And, and I think Herring... It's one, of, it's one of those things, isn't it, where um, we know Frampton is... We've seen the best of Frampton in the past. It, it was, in many ways, his last hurrah trying to get... Uh, uh, a world title in a third division. But it's a case of how many times you can go back to the well. You know, your, your body is now, the wear and tear on your body, you also don't take shots the, the same way. And all of a sudden, you lose, um, you're losing, you're giving away height and reach and you're, you're, you're slightly off the pace. It's, it's just going to be such a difficult task yeah, to close yeah, that gap. Yeah, and, and, and it didn't seem like he, he had any answers for it. You know, the... Southpaw stance, you know, the height. I mean, Herring is a really tall, super featherweight, you know. Yeah. It's just weird because, you know, it really goes to show you also how much, not just skill level aside from Herring, we've discussed that, and, and he's gotten better and he's made tremendous improvements, but also <clears throat> weight classes really matter because I can remember Frampton beating Donaire, and, and Donaire, everybody thought, okay, he's a little bit of aging on, and he's a, and, he, and Donaire was kind of the smaller guy to Frampton, right? Donaire had to start his career a little smaller. Mm-hmm. And I remember Frampton beating Donaire, and it's a good name on his resume, but okay, no, nobody made a big deal of it. But we look at it, Donaire, I believe, went back to the the the, the tournament and, and, and had a tremendous tournament. Mm-hmm. What, what were they calling that tournament? Not the Super Six. They were calling it the, the World Series. Or the World Super Series. World Boxing Super Series. Yeah, 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 and he really World had Series. a tremendous World Boxing yeah. Super Series, including the final where he had a, an absolute thriller against Naoya Inui. So, so yet against Frampton, you look like you look at it and you say, okay, maybe he's kind of done, you know? So so you can never really count it out. I, I mean, I know Frampton has, has now um, uh, announced his retirement. Uh, it seems like that's what he's going to do. But... 
I don't know. I, I would have been curious to see if Frampton could have gone back down and wait. But you know what? Only he knows the hunger that he has inside him and if he has that inner inner hunger to get in those kind of fights at world-class level. Because honestly, I, I wouldn't have counted Frampton out of boxing totally after a loss like this. But, you know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world to lose a champion, world championship fight and retire as opposed to wait until you're totally spent and then have to retire. But credit to Jamal Herring for a really good win. Right, in the news this week, Bob Aaron promised something big for Terence Crawford. He had to deliver something, and he did. We have the Pacquiao fight scheduled for June, apparently. I'm just glad it was something that has real credibility to it. But I do fear that perhaps Manny Pacquiao has bitten off more Terrence than he can is, chew here with Terence Crawford. Terence is a, 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 a tough de thing to deal with right now, man, you know? So... Um, and he's still fighting like a guy in his prime. Um, Pacquiao still shows a lot of energy in his fights. I can't, I can't say that, you know, I see him totally being outmatched. But yes, of course, you, you, you find it difficult for him to, to see him winning the fight. But I'd be interested to see how Terrence is able to deal with that high energy style. You know, uh, Terrence is used to kind of domesticating you with all his, uh, his, with all his, uh, so different angles, fighting out of different stances, and kind of he just kind of domesticates you, puts the pace at his fight, slows the pace, the fight down at his pace, and then uh, sort of just breaks you down and stops you a lot of times. So, so I'm curious to see if Manny is going to cooperate with that, or if Manny's going to tr try to fight that high velocity, that high tempo pace, and how Terence would deal with it if he's not able to slow Manny down. So, uh, it'll be interesting. But, uh, but uh, of course, a fight that generates curiosity and uh, a, a boxing fans fight. Where where does Pacquiao rank amongst all-time champions? We're, we're talking about a fighter here that is, you know, he's been he's had twelve world titles in eight divisions, five mm. of which I think have been lineal titles. So this is it's it's crazy numbers. You know, you should you, there, yeah. there shouldn't even really be eight divisions, yeah. yet alone to be a champion in eight of them. Um, where do we appreciate him enough? Because I, I personally grew up loving. Mm -hmm. Mayweather and it almost made me for a period of time have to not like Manny Pacquiao because you've got to pick yeah, a side yeah, yeah. And, and I think boxing fans fall into that trap sometimes you know where you want to like your guy so much that you don't want to like his rivals but I think when you step outside of, mm -hmm. of, the, of that uh, era and you look back on it I uh, I believe you will respect all those fighters and I think that Manny Pacquiao will get that respect even from Mayweather fans and even from all those other fans I mean, turn pro. I love him. I love him. Mm -hmm. I remember, just before he fought Mayweather, he released a song. I remember the song that he was singing, <laughs> singing like a like a bird. It was such a beautiful song, and it almost it almost swung me in the other direction. Like a I didn't bird, know who I wanted to win anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he is really he is such an incredible fighter with the most ridiculous mm -hmm. legacy. He's a congressman as well. Just a yeah, very I feel like I feel like boxing. he's like on a on a different time clock. Like we only get twenty four hours in a day. I feel like he he does like yeah. he does he does stuff that's like on thirty six hours or something like that. I don't know, man. He's he's, he's I guess you he, he said he's a congressman. Yeah. He's a fighter. He turned pro in nineteen ninety five. So he's been a pro for twenty six years now. You know, so it's pretty it's crazy. He's still getting fights against a top pound for pound fighter of the era, <laughs> which is Crawford. Uh, even 26 years into his professional boxing career. So it uh, should be interesting. should be interesting. Uh, uh, I, I think it, the fight still generates a lot of curiosity. But like you, like I said, we were discussing, I think you tend to hate guys 
when they're around your favorites. But then when you look back, when you look back, um, you end up really respecting them. I kind of I'm like that about uh, Michael Jordan. I grew up a New York Knicks fan. I could not stand Michael Jordan when I was younger. I could not stand because the Bulls would always eliminate the Knicks in the playoffs. But looking back now, I find myself arguing that he's better than LeBron James with so many people because I really do think Michael Jordan is the best NBA player ever. Or ever. But I would not give him any credit in those days because I couldn't. I, I I got I got tired of him sending my team home every year. Also in the news this week, which is which is very handy because I'm sure we talked about it last week um, regarding the level of opposition of some of the, the fighters at 135. But we now have Devin Haney and Linares. Now, that is a real, that's a real fight. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. And it's the way you're supposed to bring a fighter up. You know, because Linares is on the downside. But even if he's on the downside... You don't you don't criticize a 22 year old fighter for fighting an ex world champion, an ex an, an ex great world champion on the downside, mm-hmm. because this is kind of par for the course of the way it works, you know. So this is the kind of opposition that I want to see Leonard, uh, uh, Haney fighting, and so and sort of little by little, then you move up to fighters in their prime, champion contenders and champions in their prime. So this is a uh, par for the course, and uh, um, I think it's I think it's a it's a solid good fight for him. It's a uh, it's a fight that he should win. Uh, let's not forget Linares got knocked out by Ramiro Cano in one round not that long ago. You know, uh, so so I, I don't know how much of Linares is left, but nonetheless, there's enough of a curiosity about Linares left that having making him the opponent for Haney right now gives us a chance to raid Haney and also to uh, see where he's at. Obviously, Floyd Mayweather is a, a big believer in Devin Haney. How much confidence does it give you having, you know, a, a legend behind you, backing you, and, and, and you know, pushing you towards these fights? I think, I think it's just, it's good for the confidence, but it's also good for the marketing. You know, May, anything Mayweather says is going to be jumped on by the media, you know? So if, if he says, watch this guy, you know, uh, uh, it's going to give you, a cat, kind of catapult you promotionally mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and let make people want to see you and watch you and keep an eye on you. Um, ultimately, though, you've got to have the maturity to understand that um, that uh, headlines, praises, no matter who they're from, they don't win fights. So ultimately, you do have to have the maturity that once you get in the ring, the guy across the ring from you could care less about who's been praising you. You've got to handle your business. But as long as you've got the maturity and the poise to separate the two, I think the promotion gained from having a, a, a guy on the level of Mayweather pushing your career and, and saying good things about your career can only be positive. Eventually, do you, do you think that's going to become a conflict of interest, seeing as on Mayweather's team is also Tank, Javante Davis. It's a weird one because... Yeah, it's sort of a soap opera. Yeah, it's sort yeah, of a soap opera. It, it's but, crazy. But I have heard a lot of rumors about Tank and Mayweather's differences. Um, I mean, store almost gossip yeah. column type of rumors um, that have some really crazy things have happened. So I, 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 I know they have a working relationship. Um, I sometimes question how much they actually like each other. Um, but, but, uh, but you know, with Haney, it's possible that Mayweather is not working with him, but he generally likes him. So yeah. it's a conflict of interest for Floyd himself. I don't know if it's a conflict of interest for the fighters themselves, because I think they just want to get at each other and be able to fight and show who's the best. Well, at some point when that does happen, Floyd's going to have to work out whose corner he's in, because he <laughs> seems to be in both at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, UFC heavyweight champ Francis Ngannou says that he's open to fighting either Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury and in an era of crossovers is it possible that this actually still ha- it, it does happen 
I think it's a mismatch. I don't think uh, I think Joshua or, or Fury would would absolutely smoke Ngannou. So I don't want to I don't want to see it. Uh, if but don't gonna, hold on! Uh, don't you remember what I said last week about him hitting harder than a Ford yeah, he does. Focus he does. But, you, but you've got to land it. You've got to also throw with that same enthusiasm when yeah. the other guy's hitting you in the face. Once you start taking a couple of good shots from a guy who knows how to fight, and then you realize you can't really hit him the same way. And he's gonna, and and then if you try too hard, you're gonna get hit worse and harder. You're gonna not throw as hard anymore because you're gonna have a hesitation. So no matter how hard Ngannou hits, if he's in the ring with Joshua and Fury, it's gonna get to the point where he's not gonna throw that hard regardless because he's gonna be too busy hesitating. So I don't want to see that fight. I'd rather see Ngannou if he wants to try out his boxing acumen. He wants to make some money. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him against a, a guy who can make some money, a guy a decent name in boxing. Have, give, give him Andy Ruiz. Ruiz is kind of a smaller guy at, at, at that division, but he's still top level. He's beaten yeah. Joshua, right? So, But I don't want to see Ngannou with Joshua and Fury. I think it's an absolute mismatch. I've got a quote out, here from Ngannou. I think, I think he gets obliterated. Go ahead. Ngannou is saying, absolutely, I'm open to that. Remember, boxing was my primary dream and I still have the fire, the dream inside me and I believe at some point I'm going to make a step. So he's saying he's... I know it might not look like it in the UFC, but he's saying his his first discipline, his first thing that he'd learned was boxing. Well, I do think that... You know, his stand-up was probably what he focused on more. I remember when he first lost to Miocic in the first fight. You know, Miocic just made the, brought the fight on the ground. And Ngannou was totally out of his element because he wanted to stand up. So so I do I do believe that. And I I, and I, I don't have a problem with Ngannou uh, wanting to test himself in boxing because Dana White's a thief in, uh, in their sport, you know. So getting a chance to make more money in another sport, it's, it's fine by me. But I, I just think it's a waste of time. If you put him in with Fury and and Joshua, it's basically the same kind of waste of time that Mayweather and McGregor was. You know, will people buy it? I guess that people buy it, but is it really going to be a fight that you're going to talk about later? I think it's a waste of time. But I wouldn't mind seeing again. Put him against Ruiz. Put him against Dillian White. You know, these are still top ten guys, top five guys, possibly. You know, just. Let, I want to see Joshua and Fury fight, bro. I don't want to see anybody trying to just jump in the middle of it and, and doing all kinds of of uh, distractions. I want to see Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua fight. Anybody else, let them fight each other. And Ghana wants to come in, give him Andy Ruiz. I don't even think he beats Ruiz or, or White either. I don't but think at least, he does either. But, yeah. but if you want to test yourself against a high-level guy, you know what? Bless you for, for having the enthusiasm. Go ahead and give him White, uh, Ruiz, uh if Ariola beats Ruiz, we'll put him in with Ariola. Something, you know? Let me play devil's advocate one more time because Tyson Fury's hinted about making a move to MMA. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a, it, I don't think it's a conducive to him either. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't, again, not against the main guy. Who's the main heavyweight champion? At, at, uh, is it Ngannou? It is Ngannou. Yeah, so, so can you imagine? Can you imagine this? Dude, all, right. Got it. all right, all right, all right. Imagine so that a two they, fight contract. Yeah, yeah. Two fight contracts. One in yeah. a boxing ring. One in an octagon. Yeah, that's the go. only. That's the only way it interests me. Then that's the only way to draw. I don't want to see these crossover things. But the, I don't know how. Anybody can actually cross over to the UFC and make the kind of money that they're making in boxing because there's no Ali Act, there's no stipulation that you have yeah. to get get cut in on on the sales of the tickets and of the whole show in general. Like it's just you're making a hundred million dollars for a fight like this in boxing. So and then all you, right, and cool. you're gonna make all what, right. twenty. I, I'm I don't glad know. You, I, I'm glad I don't you think, say that. I don't that. think it's I'm, worth I'm, it. I'm glad you're saying that because we're now hearing that Ryan Garcia is talking about retiring from boxing at the age of 26 to go into MMA. 
and we're talking about it. That's why Ryan Garcia talks that way because he knows we're going to talk about it. He's not going to do it. it He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. No way. No way. He's not going to do it. It's Um, not going to happen. What would you say is the the tougher crossover? So uh, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of MMA fighters come to boxing unsuccessfully. They they usually get beat pretty fast. And realize that it's just a, it's a, you know what, it's a you, completely you, different sport. You know, Savage, here's the thing. I, I see a lot of MMA guys come into boxing because boxing gives you one angle of the total MMA. So they mm-hmm. MMA guys have some sort of striking skills. But the majority of MMA guys who come to boxing are just... They're not UFC fighters, and they're not, uh, and they're not mainstream boxing fighters. So they're just guys who do both, and they're mm-hmm. journeymen. Essentially, mm-hmm. the MMA guys I've seen in boxing are just journeymen. They're tough guys. They're you know they do both sports, so they can make a check in both sports, and they're uh, they you know they're just average journeymen. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose, but they're also not fighting anybody of particular. Uh, respect or level because they never get to that level in either sport now when you get like the world class UFC guys or mixed martial arts guys in general trying to cross over to boxing and fight a world class boxer now it's for me it's just a money grab it's just uh, uh, you you can't make that kind of money in MMA because of the non having on the Ali Act and whatnot. so you're just trying to get a money grab and trying to get a piece of the pie that we got in boxing I don't have I don't have a problem with that Uh, if fans are dumb enough to buy into it okay but I don't see that that crossover can ever work. Just like I don't see that the crossover from boxing to MMA can ever work. And you give me the fans, give me all the time. Oh, well, you know, they, they got the guts to do it while boxers never cross over. Not really. You see, in boxing, we have the Ali Act, so you can make a lot more money in our sport. We're not going to go cross... A world-class boxer is not going to cross over to MMA just to make less money and be in a tougher fight because he's out of his element. An MMA guy is going to cross over if he's at a high level because he gets a chance to make more money and yes, at the end of the day, striking is still a, a part of MMA. There is, there is no part of, of boxing that has, involves grappling. So they, they may not be as high level at striking as, as boxers, but they at least have a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a preparedness, mm-hmm. uh, a capability to do some striking. Lose, but do some striking. And uh, so they can kind of go for it. All right, let's get into predictions. In fact, did I, did I even get an answer from you? What is the easier transition? Would you oh. say it, it is from MMA into boxing rather than from boxing into MMA? Who, it, just, just, just pick an average fighter. No, I, I, I think you have a less of a less chance if you're going into a cage against a guy who is a grappler. I guess you have to yeah. mix this. You have to mix it stylistically. I think if yeah. you're going to be a boxer going into into a a, a, a cage fight against a, a a mixed martial arts fighter, you probably stylistically want to put it against a guy who's favors the striking so you can make it a striking kind of fight and give yourself a chance if you put yourself against a Khabib in the cage you know the fight's gonna go to the ground and you're never gonna get to use what you wanted I remember the early UFCs everybody who ever watched the early UFCs when Royce Gracie was winning them there was guys who just wanted to strike there was this boxer I forgot his name he was like a journeyman but he came in he fought with a glove on he fought. He put a box in. The, he put, you remember this, Dan? I'm telling you, you've got to, you've got to stream the first UFC one. I'm telling you, there's a guy with a boxing glove. He's like, he's like a North American champion or something, and he and he wants a jab with his left hand, so he puts a boxing glove on his left hand. But Hoist Gracie just gets him on the ground, snakes him, and then he makes him tap out. You got. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. I very, very rarely ever watch UFC. I find it too. Too barbaric sometimes. It's just a there's a lot going on that for for, for a lot of people 
like me may not understand. I understand everything about boxing. I understand what it entails. Whereas there's there's so many different disciplines within MMA yeah. that I kind of can't be bothered well, to learn it. Yeah, it, it's more complicated. Uh, you have to understand. Um, you know, I think there's stupidity in both in analyzing both sports in this way. You get a real technical boxing match. The, the the average person who doesn't understand boxing thinks it's a boring mm-hmm. fight when it's a real technical, real yeah. real technical fight. Same thing in MMA where you get a, a a fight that goes on the ground. The average person is not going to understand it and they're going to make stupid comments. Meantime, there's a lot of skill going on on the ground as well. So, yeah. so I think in that regard, yes, you, you have uh, you have both. Uh, you have, there's ignorance on both sides unless you really follow the sport. Um, but as far as barbaric, no, I think that's also part of the. Um, need to get more educated because I think MMA has less deaths, less permanent damage. There's more there's a lot more blood and that go that tends to sell you on more brutality. But yeah. boxing has more inner bleeding and that's what kills you and that's what does damage to you permanently. Right, let's get on to the predictions. We we allegedly missed them last time. I don't know. Someone's going to have to run me the the stats back. This week coming up we have Conor Ben versus Samuel Vargas. It's a good fight. It's a good fight, but I'm going to go with momentum, youth, and everything else that's on Conor Ben's side. And I, I'm going to pick a Conor Ben win there. Yeah, I, I go with Conor as well. But he, the, it's, it's, a, it's one of these fights, like I explained to you with Haney about getting Linares at this time. Obviously, Samuel Vargas is not a guy who's been a world champion. But he's a guy who's been in with world champions. And he's mm-hmm. performed well against guys who have been at the top level. So... Is the kind of opponent you want to get your guy in there with and see how he compares to maybe how some and to how those championship fighters that fought the same guy did, how the performances compare. You're getting to that point now where you're getting to more and more recognizable names, and uh, Conor Ben is getting to that point with Samuel Vargas. Uh, Devin Haney is getting to that point with Jorge Linares. Um, I pick Ben as well, but it's not about winning at this point it's about trying to separate yourself from how other championship fighters beat the same guy so we'll see we've also got savannah marshall versus mk hermans savannah marshall is obviously you know just just causing chaos in in the women's game right now uh we know what fight we want and it is the one with clarissa shields but for now she has a fight coming up that i think she'll win comfortably I'm not sure about you, Paulie. Yeah, I, I expect her to win it, but I, I, I do need to see Savannah doing something more than just winning the fight. I, I need her to stand out a little bit more and be the girl to American fans. Because obviously in the UK, she's more known. But be the girl that to American fans is known as more than just the girl that beat Clarissa Shields in an amateur fight. I need, to, yeah. I, I need for American fans to understand and recognize that Savannah is... Real deal, real fighter. So I need her performance to show that, you know, and, and so that way her the the I guess you call them crossover U.S. fans can understand that, yeah, Clarissa and Savannah is a good fight, and it's more than just an ancient amateur rivalry. We just want to see this in general, you know. And right now, I don't think she's done that completely, and at that, so I'd like to see her step into that kind of mold. So we'll see how she wins this fight. I expect really, it's it's almost as if she needs. A good stoppage, you know, something, yeah. Yeah. a highlight reel kind of stoppage mm-hmm. so that it puts everyone on, on, on red alert. We've also got Jaron Ennis against Sergey Lipinets. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Ennis has got a ridiculous record. Like, it's, Ennis, he's not, 
Ennis really looks like the goods. I'm telling you, Ennis, I think, is going to be around a while. Lipinets is an adorable guy. He's an ex-kickboxer, so he's not in the same mold as a lot of the Soviet, ex-Soviet fighters who have had like 500 amateur fights and they, they're so well-schooled and all this other stuff. Lipinets is more is a guy who was a kickboxer, a pro kickboxer in Russia or whatever country he's from in Eastern Europe. And uh, he took that experience and managed to turn himself into a pro boxer, which I think is much more difficult. So and he gets mm-hmm. a lot more credit from a guy like me because I, I can understand the transition can be difficult. And he, and he did win a world championship. One thing he's got going for him, he's very, very durable. Uh, I, I expect Ennis to win this fight, but I want to see uh, the durability of Lipinets if it starts to bother Ennis. And, uh, and if Lipinets can be durable or if Ennis can really smoke him out of there in, in, in a fast way, you know? I expect Ennis to get a probably mid to late round stoppage. Uh, possibly go to points, but I, 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 I lean more toward mid to late round stoppage. But I want to see if Lipinets' durability bothers him and makes him make mistakes and maybe even gives Lipinets some advantages in the fight. I'm, I'm very curious about this fight. This is a good step up. On, on paper, it's actually perfect because you've got a big puncher here with a ridiculous KO record mm-hmm. against somebody who was very durable. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is where you want to test, you know, yeah. your your durability yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and 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 your and not and not just durable, because even a lot of journeymen are durable. Lipinets is a guy who's been a world champion, and he's still got that little bit of fire burning in him. He's not totally past it. So, I, I think it's to give to call Lipinets durable is part of the equation. But he's also capable of taking advantage of mistakes Ennis might make. And sometimes when a guy is durable, it it starts to make you. F- make mistakes in, in frustration. Mm-hmm. I don't expect to see a lot of mistakes from Ennis. I have not seen many mistakes from Ennis so far. I, I think he's a really, really the goods and he's a guy to watch for the future. But I'm very curious to see how Lipinets and him kind of mesh together in the ring. We also have Shannon Courtney against Ebony Bridges, which is going to... That's, that's another good fight as well. You know, there's, there's a lot of women's boxing that now a lot of these names are beginning to... Almost yeah. jump off the paper at you. Yeah, yeah. There was even one uh, a couple weeks ago. We didn't uh, we didn't talk about her. Sinisa Estrada really looked good uh, in yes. her fight as well. Yeah, she's really making a lot of waves in the U.S. Uh, exciting style. She throws really hard punches. I mean, she's real and and she go gets in there and, and loves to mix it up. Um, I think uh, I think there's some of these girls are really starting to make a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the original girl boxers that were just kind of coming into boxing already as an adult age and they just ended up turning pro. Now you're seeing girls who started boxing as children, just like the boys. And so by the time they become full-grown women, they've got a ton of amateur experience. And you can see it in their style, in their professional boxing style, that they are legitimately... Uh, have a, a, a terrific base of, of, of knowing how to fight, knowing how to react, knowing how to deal with situations, knowing how to stay calm, and just really being poised and, and, and in a lot of subtle ways being really capable. Prediction? Shannon Courtney, Ebony Bridges? Mm, let's, let's go with Courtney. And because you've done that, do you know what? I'm really going to stop playing this <laughs> it's game one of those, to win it's it. It's one of those fights. Yeah, it's one yeah, of those it fights. is. But I'm really going to start playing this game to win it soon. And even if Paulie picks the favourite, I'm going to start picking the favourite as well. <laughs> but for this time, I'm going to go with Ebony Bridges. We're not keeping score. The fans have to keep score. The comment section has to keep score. We're, 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 well, we're, the producers we're... do. Whoever's upstairs, yeah. you got to keep score this. <laughs> From predictions to throwbacks... It seems to be a very busy week, this, uh, for, for historic fights. We have Sugar Ray Leonard against Hagler. 
1987. We have Prince Nassim versus Barrera, 2001. Crazy fight again. Larry Holmes and Trevor Burbick. But there is only one that matters for this week, I'm afraid. April 9th, 2011. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. I had to. I, I knew you'd know the date. I knew you'd know the date. But obviously, that is a day where our very own Paulie Malinagi beat Miguel. Oh, Jose Miguel Cotto. He still has a Miguel Cotto in there. Um, yeah, it's his older brother. It was his older brother. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? They always confuse me because he has Miguel yeah. as the middle name. Yeah, and usually, it's the eldest son that has mm -hmm. the father's name. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's the father's name. I'm going, look, at, I'm doing family trees. Anyway, <laughs> you beat Jose Miguel Cotto. Yeah. Do you remember much about that, that fight or that build-up or, or, or anything? Uh, yeah, I remember it was a little bit of talk about the fact that it was a chance for revenge. Uh, Miguel had beaten me. Uh, I remember that uh, I, uh, Miguel was in the corner for Jose. You know, mm -hmm. Miguel was one of the guys in his corner, you know. And uh, I, I remember winning the fight pretty comfortably. Uh, I remember I had cornrows. Uh, one of my crazy, one yeah. of my crazy. But the cornrows that they they stick. Yeah. They're not Jamaican braids. The cornrows <laughs> stick, you know. Um, and I remember uh, his mother because the Cotos. I don't know if people know. This is one of those little inside tidbits you get off our podcast and my personal experiences. The the mother of the Cotos is a really strict disciplinarian. You know, the father was a military guy, so she was like no. No joke. Like she would, she could be intimidating. She could be more intimidating than her sons, you know. So I remember um, when I fought Miguel, my girlfriend at the time when I fought Miguel was telling me that you know when she was when the fight was happening, the mother kept turning around because they were sitting right in front of her and like basically like talking crap in Spanish, you know, like while Miguel was winning the fight. And she, she it was very. She said it was very uncomfortable, you know. And then I remember. So I always kept this in mind. She was always a real tough one to deal with. And then uh, um. Uh, she was just, you know, she's just a big fan of her sons, you know, really supportive, but mm -hmm. it just she, it, basically in a way where you become the enemy as well when you're fighting her sons. Yeah. So I remember after the fight, uh, I went to the dressing room to see Jose because, you know, I, I know the family now. I'm familiar with the family. We're cool. You know, I, I, I fought Miguel already and the mother was yelling at me. The mother was yelling at me like, you're like a marathon runner. In Puerto Rico, we make men. We fight. <laughs> you, what is this with the marathon? And I'm like, and I'm like, and I remember, but I remember looking at Miguel like, I don't know what to say, dude. Like, maybe, maybe you say something, and Miguel was like, like, Ooh. <laughs> I was, no, but basically, let me know that's the boss. Nobody, that's power. Miguel that doesn't talk. Power. Jose doesn't talk. The mother says something, everybody shuts up. So naturally, I shut up too. I was like, no, I was, I was trying to make excuses. I was like, no, I, I got bad hands. That's why I got a box <laughs> like that. I was like, I, she made me feel insecure. I felt insecure. Like, like, man, maybe I was running too much. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, but, but I got bad hands. That's why I got to move a lot. <laughs> I was like, that she's is like, crazy. Yeah. so it was funny, but all's well that. It ends well. At least I got a win that night. But um, I remember it was in the MGM Grand. It was on the the main event was uh, Madonna Morales, which turned out to be a really good fight that night yeah. as well. It was a good show. Just quickly before we go, does it change anything having somebody you've previously fought and lost to in the opposition corner? I didn't really give it much thought, honestly. I didn't. Uh, I, I I mean, I could see how some guys would think about it but I wasn't giving it much thought I, I knew who I was fighting um I felt I felt like Jose was like uh they were and Miguel fought the same style but Jose was a lighter puncher you know so he so 
you know, and it was a flat-footed style, but very technically sound. Yeah. And so, and you get a flat-footed guy, even if it's technically sound, if he's not a big puncher, you're able to kind of maneuver around him a little yeah. easier. Miguel was just too too big of a puncher, you know, and he was flat-footed, but technically sound. Jose was also technically sound, but not as big of a puncher. So I was able to be more comfortable dazzling him a little bit. Also, I he, stung, he stung Canelo, one of the only people yeah, that stung Yeah, he did, he did stun yeah. him, but he wasn't as big a puncher nonetheless as, as Miguel. I'll tell you what, though. The ring was also a lot bigger. Uh, the MGM Grand Ring is a bigger ring. The, the yeah. garden, they can kind of switch sizes whatever they want to, you know. Uh, Vegas has a 20 by 20 foot minimum uh, 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 rule, not minimum or maximum rule. All rings in, in Nevada have to be 20 by 20. So I had more room to maneuver against Jose. And, of course, a guy with my style, I'll always, I'll always enjoy the more ring, more... more uh, more room in the ring to maneuver. But Mrs. Cotto did not appreciate the movement. <laughs> she, she did not. <laughs> and that's what we banked on, though, a big story. I knew I'd get one out of you. <laughs> anyway, that is all we have time for this week. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Leave us questions. Let us know if you think we're right and wrong. Who do you think wins it? Wins this weekend? And yeah, stay locked to Boxer. Yes, people, I am Savage Dan. I'm Holly Malinaji. You are watching Mouthpiece, the official boxer podcast. We are two of the most knowledgeable, two of the most charismatic, biggest personality guys in boxing. And we are two of the coolest cats talking about this today. <laughs> <laughs>